0: Welcome in our colleagues, Golf Channel senior writer Rex Hoggard and three-time PGA Tour winner uh, Johnson Wagner. Johnson,
1: I want to start with you on this. You know, we're kicking around this idea that somehow there's this perception that professional golf maybe hasn't been as exciting because the big names haven't shown up that we're seeing storylines in depth. What's your takeaway so far into this point of the season?
2: Well, you've said it, the depth of the PGA Tour is absolutely incredible, and you're seeing it with guys like Grayson Murray, who, by the way, won twice on the Corn Ferry Tour last year before getting back into the winner's circle. Guys can play well any given week. I'm down in Mexico getting ready for the Mexico Open, and this is a week where it's not going to be a superstar most likely taking on the trophy. I think we've got Tony Finau and a couple uh, European guys that are the that are the big names. But I look at a guy like Vincent Norman this week, a uh, one-time winner on the PGA Tour, won the Barbasol Championship. And, and I think it's going to be someone like that that wins. And let's not forget... Victor Hovland's first victory on the PGA Tour was the Puerto Rico Open a few years back, and now he's winning a big-time BMW championship, winning the whole FedEx Cup. So these guys become superstars because they cut their teeth at smaller
0: events. Rex, do you agree with that? Is this a case of watching players as they are on the ascent, or is something missing without having one of the stars assert themselves?
3: I think Johnson makes a really good point. You don't start out being a star straight out of college. You kind of have to earn that right. And if you don't give them that avenue, they're never going to make it to star status. But I will go back to the idea that... It had a little bit of everything so far this season. If you don't like redemption stories, I don't know how you couldn't have been rooting for Chris Kirk and Grayson Murray in Hawaii to start the year. You look at what happened with Nick Dunlap. I mean, that's that's a once-in-a-generation accomplishment to win on the PGA Tour as an amateur. All of these stories, hashtag content, are really, really good if you're a golf fan. But the other side of this is what the tour is trying, the, the product they're trying to provide, which is the stars come out and they shine the brightest when you give them this opportunity. Just one player... Inside the top 10 have won on the PGA Tour this year. That was Wyndham Clark at Pebble Beach. He was 10th in the world when he won that week. I don't know if that's the model the tour was looking for when they came up with this signature event model. Uh, johnson talking about stars at the
0: genesis invitation we were all looking forward to the dual prospect of having tiger woods not only on the grounds but also not as just the host as a competitor as well that of course uh, was brought to a conclusion when he was forced to withdraw on friday after being stricken with the flu how much did that let the air out of the balloon and Could we draw any kind of conclusions from our brief window of the 2024 Tiger Woods? Uh,
2: It it was palpable. I was actually walking for Golf Channel last week. Had the pleasure of walking with Tiger on on Thursday in his group. And uh, the the vibe was incredible. It was electric. I was just a couple groups in front of him on Friday when it happened. And I was walking with Rory. And as soon as it happened, I I could hear it over headsets that, that he was out. But the crowds dispersed. Uh, it, it was very deflating on that Friday afternoon. What I will say, Saturday and Sunday, I thought would, would have a lot less galleries. Saturday and Sunday, even without Tiger and Spieth, was electric at Riviera. It, it, the, the event obviously would have been much better with Tiger there, but it was still amazing with all the stars we had planned.
3: Rex,
1: moving on to this week and really playing off of this idea of last week was kind of all the stars supposed to come out in Hollywood and didn't really in the way we've expected now this week as Johnson mentioned Tony Finau is sort of the brand name in the field this week in Mexico is this a harbinger of a tournament that kind of could be endangered if the PGA Tour does focus on this idea of of signature events and building a tour around just the, the biggest stars in the game that somehow there will cease to be a place for things like the Mexico Open or some of the events that are now in the fall
3: series It's certainly going to be a litmus test of what the future is probably going to look like on the PGA Tour, simply because you're right. You're going to have this ebb and flow based on the new schedule. You're going to have those events between the signature events where players will be vying to try to get into those signature events, which provide plenty of storylines for you and I. However, I'm not quite sure it's going to resonate with the fans. That's still to be determined. And if it doesn't, then you have to ask where these events like the Mexico Open and the Cognizant (laughs) Classic in two weeks where are they going to end up? What's going to be their draw? I'll go back to PGA National last year. It was a fantastic finish. And if you continue to have sort of those micro storylines in between the signature events, I think there is a place for the game, for them in the game on the PGA Tour. But that remains to be seen.
2: It, Rex, I've got to come in here. I, 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 I agree with you. But
3: these events are
2: incredibly important. The, the communities that, that, that are involved are, are big, and, and I just think that there's going to be a place. Uh, you look, I look at a guy like Robbie Shelton this week. Uh, these guys haven't played. He did play at the Phoenix Open a couple weeks ago, but a lot of players in this field haven't touched the ground for three weeks, being on uh, Pebble Beach, uh, WM Phoenix Open in Riviera, you have guys like Harrison Indicott who got his card back through Q school. These are important for these guys to move into that next stratosphere. What it's gonna look like going forward, I personally have some ideas, but there is there has to be events like this, the Corn Ferry Tour, to create the next stars and to feed up to whatever the upper echelon is gonna look like going forward.
1: Johnson, is that something that's been lost here? This we talk a lot about what the players want, specifically what the top players want. But a lot of sponsors have a very localized agenda or separate agendas from tournament to tournament and the rank and file obviously want to keep jobs. Are those concerns that seem to have been erased here of what the sponsors want to get out of a week or what the rank and file tour members want to get out of a week or need to get?
2: Well, I think for sponsors specifically, I know the RSM Classic, not a great date, last event of the fall. I think they love that tournament. They bring in all their clients, the hospitality, uh, the the fact that they have pro-ams all week where these Customers can play with the best golfers in the world. I think it just depends on what the sponsor is looking to get out of it. But I think a lot of them like the PGA Tour for what they are. And I mean, look at the Champions Tour. They that 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 tours around because of how good the professionals are at dealing with uh, pro am guests and, and stuff like that. So I think uh, I think it's a big ask for these sponsors right now to be forking over the kind of dollars they are for signature events, there's a lot of uh, great stuff the PGA Tour does that doesn't just revolve around the stars.
0: Yeah, it also goes to speak to the charitable aspect of what's going on because that is still incredibly important to many of the sponsors, and I bring that up in particular because you mentioned RSM and how unique that event is for them. Yes, a major sporting event is important that surrounds it, but it's only one of the elements that makes that week so special to that uh, sponsoring entity in the rsm classic now johnson i want to hold you for one second because i want to talk to you about world number one scotty scheffler he obviously continues to amaze with his ball striking prowess, but his putting really continues to cause many times more questions and answers at least by a relative comparison what are you seeing
2: Well, I was with him Thursday after I left Tiger's group. I went to Scotty's group, and I caught him on the 11th hole. And he was on the front of the green, par 5 at Riviera, just in the front fringe, back pin. Hits a beautiful lag putt to 4 feet, misses it. And it's so shocking, I saw him get very frustrated, walked over to the 12th tee while his other playing partners were were still putting out. He was muttering to himself, and then he took his ball and just chucked it into the hillside up into somebody's backyard. And I saw it again on Saturday and Sunday, some putter tosses at the bag, flips up in the air when he misses it. So it's it's starting to wear him down. Now, the west coast does that to most players i remember back in 2008 i actually switched to a belly putter on the west coast So the west coast can can really bring you down putting on Poiana greens i think once we see scotty Scheffler in florida putting on some friendlier surfaces uh, that's where i'm going to be really noticing if the frustration continues to mount
1: rex speaking of guys who've struggled with putting under scrutiny before jordan speed had an interesting week in la he was disqualified for signing an incorrect scorecard. Now, Matt and I argued this on the show yesterday, and Matt was determined to be wrong on this issue. Matt thinks the rule needs to be changed. Where are you on this? Is this rule good enough that these guys should attest their score, or is it a clerical error that's kind of outdated in the modern game?
3: I think it's a safe assumption just to say that anyone that argues with you, Eamon, is wrong? Isn't that just the way it's going to work out? I'm glad you've recognized that fact finally. That's right. took me a long time to get there. I I don't think you're going to like my opinion on this, either. Lav and I talked about it. Ryan Lavner and I talked about it on the podcast. I think on the PGA Tour, in 2024, when you have cameras on pretty much every single player in the field, you have shot link, you have walking scores, I think it's a clerical error. I think maybe there should be some sort of penalty if Jordan Spieth walks out, was signing a wrong scorecard. Maybe you add a stroke or two. But a DQ just seems so draconian. It seems like we're at a point in time right now, everyone knew what he had shot. He clearly was not trying to circumvent the scoring process at all. I think it's time. This is one of those rules. And look, I'll give the RNA and the USGA a monsoon of credit on this. This one that they have tried over the years and done a very good job of updating the rules. I'd love to see this one updated.
2: Yeah, Rex, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with part of that. I do see that side of the story, but. It's it's one of those things like my son plays junior golf now and, and they make him keep score on a telephone. I, I think it's ridiculous. There's something about writing your score down. Now I have some background information here. Apparently Tom Kim, who was keeping his score hadn't written a single score down on the card. Um, and so, He's in the scoring tent. Jordan Spieth was sick as a dog that day, had the chills, had a fever. He comes in after making double bogey pretty sloppily on the last hole, rips off his tear strip. It's right on his tear strip. And Tom's writing the score down. Jordan just signs it, walks out said to the guy who's the scoring official said are we good scoring official said yes like I I don't think Jordan should have I don't think he should have been disqualified but I do think on the PGA Tour playing high level golf I think the scoring system is fine it's it's right where it needed to be
0: yeah just so I can jump in here and defend myself notwithstanding his very leading question I don't have a problem with players keeping each other's scores you keep mine I keep yours All I'm saying is that with all the technology we have today, before a player walks through that door and gets a DQ, which is a death sentence for a human error, can't we use modern technology to go, hey, guys, we're just checking your numbers and we've got a discrepancy here. Let's take a look at this and just make sure that it's right. That's all that I was saying.
1: I'm going to ask the producers to cut the mics of both Rex (laughs) and Matt before we come back, but we do have a lot more to (laughs) discuss here. Namely, Rory McElroy, he keeps making this case for a global tour of the game's top players but does it actually make sense we're going to talk about that after this short break
2: hey fidelity what's it cost to invest with the fidelity app
3: start with as little as one dollar with no account fees or trade commissions on u.s stocks and etfs Hmm, that's music to my ears i can only talk
2: Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Zero account fees apply to retail brokerage accounts only. Zero dollar commission applies to online U.S. equity trades and ETFs and retail Fidelity accounts. Sell order assessment fee not included. Some account types and securities excluded. Details at fidelity.com slash commissions. Fidelity Brokerage Services LLC member NYSE SIPC. Do you want a beautiful lawn?
3: Golf Central Update, brought to you by Callaway Golf.
1: We're back on golf today. Rory McIlroy resigned his position as a player director on the Tour's Policy Board late last year, but the World number 2 continues to be a strong voice even if he no longer has an actual vote. On Saturday at Riviera, he repeated his thoughts on a path forward to unify the game.
0: You've talked
4: about golf needs to be a global game, some other guys have brought it up. Have you given much thought on what that might look like? Um, yes and no. I mean, I think it's all pie in the sky stuff. It's all very, um, you know, I, I think there has to be a component of the Southern Hemisphere, Australia, uh, South Africa. There obviously has to be a component of the far east whether that be korea japan china um obviously the middle east as well i mean we've been going to the middle east for a long time but obviously dubai saudi um and then sort of working our way from east to west and back into the united states for the you know for the sort of spring summer time go back you know I, I don't think it'll look too dissimilar to what it is yeah, yeah right now but maybe that the, yeah, maybe, the yeah. front end of the year and the back end of the year might look a little bit different but I mean I still think there's yeah, I don't think we need to blow everything up but there definitely needs to be uh, some tweaks I think that well,
2: they, they couldn't be fulfilled
4: no I think for I think for if you're looking for a global I think it, you know you'd have tournaments that look a little bit more like this I would well,
0: would those events in theory possibly fit
3: count know, on the PJ Tour to the World Tour as well?
4: I would think it would be one tour. I think you just create a tour for the top 80 players in the world.
3: So does that mean
4: that, that you would not play the other tours? Or? Yeah, then I think everything sort of feeds up into that one, you know, like if the way I look at it, it'd be like Champions League and European football. It sort of sits above the rest of the leagues and then all those leagues sort of feed up into that and the best of the best play against each other in, in the Champions League is the way I would think about it. You
2: know, you've been, you've been doing it your whole career, but do you think there's
3: an appetite among, you know, youngish Americans to, to do that as
4: well? I think there's more of an appetite uh, than there used to be. I mean, I think about, you know, Max and JT going down to South Africa at the end of last year and playing and, and Max winning down there. You know, I think there's more of an appetite for the young Americans to travel nowadays maybe compared to the, the sort of 90s and 2000s so but again it, you know you have to make it work for for everyone um, but I think for the most part it has to work for fans and sponsors and, and media and then if you can have it work for them and you know it, it, you create a product that's really good for for the fan um, then honestly I think you just have to convince the players to buy into it because that's what's going to be best for them especially if you're going to be an owner of that tour.
3: You just, you know, two minutes laid, laid, laid out a pretty simplistic idea. Has it gone farther than that, do you think, within the, you know, the important sectors of the game that you even enact that? Um,
4: I think so, but again, I said this at the back end of last year, Everyone's got their own interest in this game, and that's what happens when you've got quite a, you know, a fractured landscape at this point. So it's trying to align everyone's interests and trying to convince everyone that this is the right thing to do for the game of golf as a whole. Uh, And if you can convince everyone of that, then it would be pretty simple. But, um, you know, right now, it's just trying to to get everyone singing off the the same hymn sheet. All right. Thanks. If that tour existed,
2: how many for you personally, how many tournaments in the U.S. could you see yourself playing
4: I think there would have to say if you do it, you know, say you do a 24 event schedule um, for those being the major championships and so say there's 20, I'd say at least half of those, if not more, I mean, 10 or 12. I mean, you still have to, you know, this is the biggest, the biggest market in golf in the world. So you have to, you know, you have to take that into account. But. There's, there's no reason why, um, you know, for other parts of the year that we can't go further afield and, uh, and play in some of those big markets I think would be beneficial, not just for those markets and those fans, but also for the tour as a whole and media partners and sponsors and, and everyone else.
1: So we're bringing back our roundtable here with Rex Hoggard and Johnson Wagner, our Golf Channel colleagues. Johnson, I want to ask you for your reaction to this concept of The global tour that Rory's put forward in in two respects, because the European tour has kind of followed a global schedule for the best part of 20 years now and has found very limited commercial support in some of these corners of the world that that Rory suggests we ought to be going to. And then secondly, is it realistic in a commercial sense? But secondly, how does the rank and file membership react to that kind of concept, especially the people who aren't actually going to be getting an invite to compete on that tour?
2: Well, uh, Eamon, my first year uh, back on the PGA Tour was 2007. It was the first year of the FedEx Cup. And so I've often thought at some point in my career, we would see a 75-man tour. Let's call it the FedEx Tour. And then the PGA Tour... And the corn Ferry could kind of merge together, maybe raise the purses from corn Ferry level up to 5 or $6 million range, kind of early 2000s PGA Tour. And as long as you had a turnover rate where guys that were playing this PGA Tour had the top 25 spots could climb up to the FedEx Tour, I think it works great. Globally, I find… You know, I go back to the Ryder Cup in Rome. It was really hard to watch every shot of the Ryder Cup just given the hours that it comes on, that it's live here in the United States. So I don't want to sound like a naive American golf fan, but I don't want to see my favorite players playing in the middle of the night in the United States. And I certainly am not going to record it and watch it later because I want to know what happens when it happens. So I see the idea of the tour. I think that's where we're headed. Uh, I think Rory's got some great ideas, but the global nature of it, I I find I find going to be a challenge.
0: Rex, I'm curious what your opinion is on all of this. Is there room in an annual schedule? He spoke about maybe at the beginning of the year, maybe at the end of the year, making some tweaks. The vast majority still being played in the United States. Is there room for global
3: expansion? I think it's inevitable. And we can sit here and talk about if it's realistic or not. And I wouldn't have to be the one that walked the tightrope and had to sell this to both sides, as Roy pointed out in that sound, that because we have the fractured landscape we have right now, you have players, administrators, tour officials on both sides who are very entrenched in what they're doing. So it's not going to be an easy sell. But I'll just go back to the last three weeks in professional golf and make the argument that outside of a handful of players who are clearly getting paid, It hasn't been good for anyone. It hasn't been good for the corporate partners or the fans or the media partners or anyone else when you have this fractured landscape. And what Rory is talking about is some version of unification. And I understand completely where Johnson is coming from with the idea that if this does happen in its 2024 events, whatever the case may be that Rory sort of alluded to, what happens to those other events? There's a lot of really good events, the Mexico Open, the RSM Classic, all the events we could go through. What happens to them? And I still think there's room in that landscape for those events. The way Rory describes this, and Naming can probably outline this better than I can, but you sort of look at the pyramid that you have in European soccer, football, and it kind of goes aspirational. And you start at the bottom of the pyramid and you want to work your way up. If they can come up with some sort of system, and as Rory pointed out, you have to sell it to everyone involved, but I think it's inevitable.
2: I mean, Rex, we've basically had that sort of setup anyway the last bunch of years. There's always been a signature series level of events and then the, the bottom tier. I think now what Rory wants to do is just make it known that it's actually that way. We have a separate tour for the best players in the world. And like I said earlier, there just has to be turnover. I mean, look at a, a year like Justin Thomas had last year. Maybe Justin Thomas has to fall back down uh, to a, a, a smaller tour, bringing value to, to some of the smaller events.
0: Johnson, let's stay with this for a second, because this idea that we have of potential unification, Greg Norman said on social media that he was laughing at the world rankings, saying that if not for two recent signings to live, that being in John Rahm and Terrell Hatton, that they would only have two players in the top 50. When is it time to stop laughing at these world rankings?
2: Uh, Look, these guys that went over to play live, they knew there was no world ranking points. And unless they were just sold a a bill of goods by Norman, which I think they were, uh, they, they had, this was the risk. You know, y- your tour doesn't qualify for points. There's a lot of reasons why they didn't get points. I think the official World Golf Ranking Board gave them a lot of opportunities to make some minor changes, and then they would have had it, but they were stubborn. They didn't, and it's just the way it is. These guys are going to continue to drop outside, and you see them going to play in tournaments in Asia. If you don't play well in the majors, you're going to fall outside that top 50. It's just the reality of the situation they're in, and it's time for them to stop complaining about it because it's, it's, it's I'm over. I'm over this.
1: Rex, on on this subject, it's funny that Norman puts this out just a couple of weeks after Carlos Ortiz essentially admitted that he'd been lied to. He said on the Gravy and the Sleeves podcast that they were told they would get world ranking points, which are not within the gift of Greg Norman to grant them. Is is this just the endless sort of PR battle where they, they seek to undermine whatever institutions in the game won't actually give them what they want at any point in time?
3: I'm gonna to try to make this a little bit more nuanced because I feel like this is a twofold answer. The first part would be, if you look at the world ranking, the top 50 that Greg Norman was pointing out in that tweet, there's a lot of players who aren't in that top 50 that I think the four of us on this panel would all argue objectively should be inside that top 50. And we should argue that they should probably be in the major championships. That is an entirely different conversation. And there are things and there is ground to be covered, and I think there's room for compromise. The other part, where he's arguing about getting world ranking points, where Greg Norman is arguing about getting world ranking points for Liv Goff, it's such a straw man argument. Because from the very beginning, the official World Golf Ranking was very, very clear on this, that they did not like the team concept. And actually, if you go back on the PGA Tour, there is a precedent. They don't give World Ranking points out to the winners or the finishers at the Zurich Classic because there's a team element to it. Forget about being 54 holes. Forget about being a small field. Forget about all of those things. Those are all fixable. Those are things the World Golf Ranking could have wrapped their mind around. The team concept, they could not. And Liv Golf decided to dig in. It's only on Greg Norman. This has nothing to do with the world golf ranking. You know for my part I think to your point Rex that
0: there are players that are currently playing on that tour that we know should be ranked in the top 50 in the world. They should be able to find a pathway and I'm not putting this onus on live nor am I putting it totally on the official world golf rankings. I think collectively they could have come up with something that would have led them down a road now. As we wrap up here in our panel discussion, I just I wanted to ask you guys, as we started saying, what are your takeaways from 2024? Let's be forward thinking here for a second. And Rex, Rex, I'd like to start with you on this one for the rest of 2024 in a perfect world. What would you like to see happen?
3: I think we get an equilibrium. You guys talked earlier about Scotty Scheffler struggling with his putting on the West Coast, and we can sit here and break down the stats, and he certainly has struggled. I mean, statistically, that is easy to to point out. However, let's see him, as Eamon pointed out, when he gets to the greens in Florida, when you have Bermuda grass, and you don't have to deal with the Poe, and you don't have to deal with the footprints late in the afternoon. Let's see if this system with uh, signature events plays out a little bit better than it did on the West Coast. I think we can all agree that that's probably not what the tour was looking for with some of the winners that they ended up with. Good stories, but probably not the stars that they were looking for. I I agree 100%. The Florida swing is kind of when everything starts coming together, and you can kind of start making some sort of at least short-term judgment on exactly where the PGA Tour is right now.
2: Yeah, Rex, the signature events, they they were a little bit – I was at both Riv and Pebble in different capacities, and they – Pebble was a little flat to me. It was a shame with the weather. I, I think Sunday could have been outstanding had it been a typical old nice Pebble day. But uh, I, I think it just goes back to the point that I like to. I'd like to see 120 man fields in these in these events. I mean, what makes the stars great are the people that they have to beat to get there. And the more players, the more opportunities. I, I just, I really wish going forward that that they could increase the size of it. But when you When you hear players like Rory wanting an 80-man world tour, I don't think that's the direction that we're headed anytime soon.
0: Excellent discussion. Rex Johnson, thank you very much for your time. Johnson, good luck down there in Mexico this week. Looking forward to you being a part of our coverage.